Good morning, family. Awesome, awesome. So good to be in the house of the Lord today to worship Him together. Wasn't that worship amazing? Yes, we can clap for the Lord. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Now, let me remind you what Scripture says, that God inhabits the praises of His children. So when we praise Him, when we worship Him, He comes down. There's something about the fellowship of the believers. When we come together and we worship Him, He comes down and He inhabits our praises. Therefore, I want to thank you for uh, navigating and going through the cold to be here today and fellowship together with us. I'm so excited about the series that we are studying today. It is our workplace series, God at Work. And today we're going to be looking at God and I, uh, we're going to look at work and identity. But before we do that, one of the things we did leading up to the sermon series was to do a survey. You might have seen it. We sent it out on email. And we wanted to hear what are the things that you're wrestling with or grappling with in the workplace so we can be able to address those. Now, I need to put a disclaimer. I, I don't promise that we'll address all of them, but we can pray about all of them and trust God to bring change. Amen. So let's look at the results of the survey. So... Two questions that I want to highlight from the survey that we did together. What are some of the difficulties you face at the workplace? So workplace can be whether you're in corporate, you run your business, or you uh, work as a, a civil servant. 40% says a highly competitive and stressful environment. Sounds like Joburg. 36% says conflict with colleagues and difficult relationships. 35% said a sense of purposelessness and a lack of direction. That's a big number there for people who feel, I just feel like I'm just doing my work, but I, I'm not sure if this is where I need to be. 28% felt inconsistent income and financial consent. It's one of these that I don't think we can be able to help you, but we can pray. <laughs> we can pray that God will change things on your behalf. Amen. I can give you scriptures for it. Psalm 65 verse 10, the Bible says, He crowns the year with bounty and His cards overflow with abundance. That God will prosper you even in the midst of a challenging economic system. We need to trust God. Amen. God will prosper His people. I can preach the whole day on that. In Egypt, in the land of Goshen, the people of God, they prospered even when things were not going well during the time of the wilderness. Amen. 28%, we just read that one, 25% felt difficulty with their boss or manager, an area we can pray into. Go to the next slide. Overall, how do you feel about your work? 40% said, I enjoy my work, but it's not the ultimate expression of my purpose. You can see the repetition with purpose. There are other things I want to do. It's a big number there. 37%, I love my job and enjoy the challenges I face. That's a good number there. 11, I feel purposeless. I don't consider work an area of life that gives me joy. So we hope that through the sermon series, we can help you to find purpose, even in a place where you feel you may not, you're not supposed to be right now, but God has placed you there for a reason. The next one is 9%, I don't feel like my job, I don't like my job, and it causes me stress. I'm looking for other work. We pray that you do find other work. 3%, I find any work I can to pay the bills and get by. I haven't had time to think about what I would like to do. We also pray for you. 
that you don't just find a job to pay bills, but you find a job where you can draw peppers out of what you're doing. Amen. So the objective of the sermon series is we aim to empower believers to bring the kingdom of God in the midst of work difficulties. We also aim to create a biblical perspective on work as unto the Lord and not to men. Some of the topics we'll cover is work and identity, work and conflict, work and relationships, especially around boundaries in the workplace. And also we're going to look at work and the kingdom. How do we bring the kingdom of God in the workplace? We have... uh, recorded some testimonies of how people see God at work in their workplace. And we're going to play one video now. And in the weeks to come, we're going to play other testimonies. We'll put some of the testimonies on our social media platforms and on our website to build your faith, to know that God is interested in your work. Amen. Let's play that video. Hi, my name's Sale. Amen. I'm a social (laughs) entrepreneur. And a few years ago, we started a company that looks at using technology to solve socio-economic challenges in South Africa. So it's been quite a journey the last few years, and I suppose um, for every entrepreneur it's different, but my journey has been really one of just complete faith and having to really let go. Um, I suppose in my mind I'm, I'm quite analytical in how I look at things, and the, the problem with that is that I tend to preempt how I see things and how situations are going to end up happening. And one of the big problems with that is that God doesn't work like that. It always works out being totally different to what I actually expected at the start. But the beauty of it is, is that it still works out better than I could have ever planned it. And I suppose that's my first encouragement is just to let go and have the faith, even if it doesn't look the way that you think it's going to or should look. So I've got a great example. Um, I've had many, but this is a more recent one. Um, I went to quite an important meeting with uh, some very senior executives in quite a large corporate, and uh, I had a 30-minute presentation followed by about a 45-minute grilling um, and questioning about the products and what we were actually doing. And I, I remember walking out of this, uh, this conversation that I had with these executives, phoning my wife and saying, I think that that possibly was the worst presentation I've ever done in my life. And I, think and I remember saying specifically that I will never hear from these people again. I'm sure of it. And funny enough, um, a few weeks later, uh, they called me back and the conversations continued. I then met uh, individually with one of the, the execs to find out that he's also a strong believer. Um, and in fact, it got to the level that both he and I had read the same devotion on the same morning that we met for this, the very first time. And uh, I mean, who can plan that? Uh, and we're just having an amazing journey with them now. We're in the process of, of finalizing a really amazing product that's going to serve so many millions of people in this country and hopefully assist them. So yeah, my encouragement is, is just to let go and just trust the Lord, um, even if it doesn't make sense, um, it will work out better than what you expected. Amen. Yeah. Sure. Great testimony there of God at work. And uh, I believe that God is at work even through your work and where your business may be right now. Trust God to come through. Today, we're going to look at work and identity. Are you captured by God? 
and not by man? Are you captured by God and not by man? I know you're thinking when you talk about the word capture. I was visiting one of the connect groups recently, and as I was walking out to go, one of the guys who was walking me uh, out of the door, he said to me, Pastor Sai, uh, do we have a guarantee that your name is not going to be mentioned at the Zondo Commission? <laughs> and I said, we're good, bro, we're good. <laughs> but the reason I want us to look at this word captured, and you will see when we look at the case study of Daniel and how the Israelites were captured, but Daniel and his fellow um, uh, uh, colleagues chose not to be captured by the Babylonian system. Even though the whole nation of Israel was captured, they chose not to be captured. It is possible to be captured by God and not by men or by our workplace. The question I want to ask you today is, uh, who are you working for? Are you working for your boss, your company? Are you working for a paycheck like we just read on the survey? Or are you working for God? So the anchor scripture I want to use for the sermon series is uh, Colossians 2, verse 10, Colossians 3.22. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service or as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Amen. I want to read that phrase. Whatever you do, work heartily. Work with all your heart. Ask for the Lord and not for men. So it doesn't matter the work that you're doing currently. You may not be happy with the work that you're doing currently. But if you can get a revelation that you are working for God and not for men, I promise you, you can draw peppers out of that work. You can be able to draw peppers to realize that God has placed me in this season, in this place for a reason, even though I might not be able to see it now, but there's a plan and a purpose why God has placed me here. So I pray that today we will be able to see that how we approach work and we, if we fully understand that we, we work for God and not for men, we will approach work differently. Daniel was a good case study from the Bible of someone who did not allow himself to be captured by a Babylonian system. So we're going to look at three things from this uh, chapter one of the book of Daniel, that in order for us not to be captured, that we are gifted for a purpose, that we have an identity from God that should define us, and we should not allow our work to define us. We're also going to look at the quality of our work matters to God. So when we start with this first one, you are gifted for a purpose, what we have just read is we need to understand that the work that we do, we do it as unto the Lord and not for men. So I want us to read from Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 up to verse 7, and pause there and say these are men who were gifted by God for a specific purpose, just like you and I are gifted by God for a specific purpose, and we need to find that purpose wherever we are today. So let's read. In the year of the reign of Jehoi king, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoi king, king, of, Jehoi king, king of Judah, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, 
to the house of his God and place the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both the royal family and of nobility, youths without blemish or good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. And to each of them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. And to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate. And of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. I'm glad education is mentioned in the Bible. <laughs> education is important. This is just for my kids. Because some of them, they read the stories of how some people made it without education. And they say, Dad, look, caspan your vest, Dad, caspan your vest. <laughs> if you don't know who caspan your vest is, he's a musician who didn't finish school and is very successful. Let's continue. Verse 6. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. We're going to continue to read just now, but let's pause here. I like the fact that Scripture says these young men who were being earmarked to come and serve the king were of nobility, youth without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in wisdom, and endowed with knowledge. Now, there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is there for us to understand what is happening, but you can sit with knowledge. It is only when you have wisdom because wisdom is the application of that knowledge. So it is important for us to know as children of God that God has not only given us the ability to acquire knowledge, but He's also given us wisdom to apply that knowledge. So this is to say that as Christians, sometimes we don't realize we have certain competitive advantages that we don't tap into. We have the Holy Spirit to help us in the workplace. We can tap into when we are faced with an intricate solution situation, but we forget the Holy Spirit is there in the marketplace. He is everywhere. He's not confined to the four walls of the church. These men, they understood the knowledge that was given to God, and they had learning, and they were competent. You know, that word competent, we spoke about it a few weeks ago, just before the elections, and I spoke about how God wants to have competent leaders in all areas of society. We need to have competent leaders in all areas of society, not just in corporate, but also in public service, in NGOs, everywhere. We need competent leaders. Therefore, as Christians, we need to be competent. We are gifted for a purpose. May I say to you that today, it looks like the church of Jesus Christ has been captured. How can we be a country of 80% Christianity and yet we have the problems and the challenges that we have? How can we say that we have so many Christians but when you look at the work ethic in some of the government departments, to mention a few home affairs, traffic de department, Lord have mercy. <laughs> and for those who work for government, we also want to stand with you because we know that it can be a very challenging environment 
But God has placed you there to change that environment. God has placed you there to change that environment. I am personally embarrassed and saddened by the fact that people will apply for their work permits or apply for a permanent residency and, and the document gets lost. I mean, for me, it's a systems issue. It's an issue that can be resolved with ease. And the problem here is we have forgotten that we are gifted for a purpose. How are you using your skills, your gifts, and your talents to glorify God? You are not working for men. You are working for God. How would we approach our work Monday morning when we go to work, when we understand that I am not going to work for my boss. I am working for God. Work is devotion unto God, not to men. There needs to be that revelation and the reverence that we're not working for man. We're working for God. The problem is uh, this word that I call syncretism. Syncretism is people professing to be Christians, but their lives are far from being Christians. People who say, I'm a Christian, but actually they consult with people that I do not know where they come from. The Sangomas, the witch doctors, and I don't know what else you consult with, but the key here is if we put our trust in God, we will see a different South Africa. We will see a different South Africa. And I don't just want to pick up on government because we know that there are certain companies that the work ethic is just terrible. The question is, have you been captured? Are you captured by God? Or are you captured by the systems of this world? Number two, your identity in God should define you and not your work. Be defined by who God says you are, not what your work says you are. Let's read about these guys from verse 7. And the chief of the eunuch gave them names. He's changing their names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he will not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that the king drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of the same age as you? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Sounds like Daniel fast. You see where it came from. Vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance, let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who ate the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and he tested them for 10 days. Let me submit to you from the scripture we've read that when the enemy wants to take you out, he goes after your identity. When the enemy wants to take you out, he goes after the very name that was given to you. Maybe it's not so much about the name that was given to you, but if you understand that these gentlemen, the names that were given, spoke about who God called them to be. 
I mean, Daniel means that God is our judge. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Mishael means who is like God. And Azariah means God, our helper. Now, let me be practical with you. When the enemy knows that you know who you are, he's going to do all that he can to take away that identity because when he takes away that identity, you have to fight around to get definition from the things of this world, not from who God says you are. We need to know who God says we are. The second thing the enemy went for, he went for their literature. Literature speaks about their history. The enemy knew that when I take away your history, I've dealt with you. You don't know where you come from. Your history and your past is important to God. It's not there by mistake because God redeems and uses everything for our good. So do not underestimate the power of your history. The third thing that the enemy went for is their language. He knew that if I can take away their language, I take the essence of who God has made them to be. That's part of who God made them to be. Now, I'm challenged because I'm still trying today to teach my children Sitswana. Pastor Webb, help me. (laughs) There is something about the names that we have. There's something about our past, our history. There is something about our languages that the enemy knows that when I take this away, you don't know who you are. And therefore, we, take to, we tend to take definition and identity from the wrong things. When we choose to fear God and not men, and when we choose to please God and not men, we attract God's favor. See what happened with this man. When they chose to fear God, God gave them favor. Even the chief of the eunuchs, he needed to choose to fear the king or to fear God. And we know the rest of the story. Who do you fear? Do you fear your boss or God? Who is your allegiance with? Is it with God or with your work? Who has captured you? You see, one of the biggest challenges we face today is that we can be fully present at work but not fully present at home or with our friends or even at church. We can be fully present where we think it matters the most, but we're not fully present where it actually matters the most. Last week we had an amazing family service, don't you think? We had some incredible preachers who preached here. I mean, like, incredible preachers. I don't know how to follow my daughter's, you know, high standard that she she said. But Ebenezer said this, Sometimes fathers are caught up in providing a life they did not have for their children, but missing out on emotional connection with their children. See, that for me spoke to me. It challenged me to put a mirror on myself to say, how am I doing in this area? Am I so taken by the spirit of mammon, the spirit of pride, the spirit of greed that is in this, in this city specifically, in Joburg, that I lose emotional connection with people that God has placed around me, not just my family, but even this church community? Am I fully present? You know, about two weeks ago, I thought it was a good example where I felt like I was partially captured. 
you can see I'm qualifying. I don't think I was fully captured. I, I, thought, I, I thought to myself, am I partially captured? My son came to me and he said, Dad, are you available tomorrow to help me with maths because I'm preparing for my test? And uh, I thought, man, that's a good question. There's two sides to the coin. The one side is uh, he's planning and he wants to know that I'll be available for him. That's good. The other side of the coin is, I thought to myself, is my son thinking that I'm so busy, he needs to set an appointment with me to see me? That's when I thought to myself, am I partially captured? I used the opportunity to reflect on myself and say, have I allowed myself to be so busy with work that am I not fully present with my children and my family? In fact, two years ago, my wife raised up a card. She said to me, love, that's how she calls me. <laughs> you, you're sitting here at dinner with us, but your mind is not here. I was like, you know, <coughs> the sword going in. And, <coughs> and she just started explaining to me that at times we're sitting at dinner, but actually I, I'm still connected to work. I haven't disconnected. My brain is not there. And from that time on, I needed to put some things in place to actually help me to disconnect from work. But going back to the story with my son, one of the things that I remember is even though I have good work rhythms, work rest rhythms, I also need to make sure that I am fully present because you can be physically present but emotionally absent. Are we fully present where God wants us to be in this season? Whatever the season it is. I like uh, Mama C who works at the reception of the church. Uh, she sees the, all the meetings that I have day in, day out. And uh, she goes like, Muruti, Kya I see you. That's like Saobona, you know. Obereke Labana, you're working for the kids. You're working hard. And then in the afternoons, she will go like, Muruti, now it's time to go home. Go and be with your family. And it's like God has just placed her there to remind me that now it's time to disconnect. Now it's time to disconnect and go be with your family. And I know pastors, we work some evenings, and uh, you, if you ever notice, we will actually have that family time and dinner time, and we will see people after seven. It's on purpose that we can not allow ourselves to be captured by the systems of this world. This is the question I want to give you. Does your calendar match your values? Or have you been captured? Where does this come from? There was a little child who went to his dad and said, Dad, what is this? And this was the dad's calendar. And asked the dad, what is the calendar for? What is the diary for? And the dad said, I, I schedule important meetings with important people. And the child said, how come I don't see my name? How come, if it is for important people, how come I don't see my name? Ever since I heard that story, I have family time on my calendar. The challenge is to keep it. It's one thing to have it in the calendar. The challenge is to keep it. <laughs> Lastly, quality of your work matters to God. 
Let's read verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. Let's pause there. Whoa, I like this verse. They were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. The Bible says they were fat. <laughs> Woo! Forget vitality age. But God works in mysterious ways. They were eating vegetables, but they were fat. Whoa! I read other versions, Pastor Webb. They were like, they were well nourished. I said, it doesn't work for me. This one works for me. They were fatter in flesh. They were... Mm. It's in the Bible. Banting is not in the Bible, just so you know. The Bible speaks about breaking of bread. Amen. That's just for me. Verse 16. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were drinking. Verse 17. And for this youth, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding of all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before the king, and the king spoke with them, and among them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better. They were ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all the kingdom. My question to you is, what made them ten times better? What made them ten times better were two things. It was one, their devotion to God and knowing that to work from a place of rest is the best thing ever. If you want job satisfaction, it starts with understanding the rhythms of rest. That God instituted Sabbath for a reason. Why did God even say the land must rest? There's a scientific explanation to that, that when we rest, we rejuvenate, we replenish. Now, these guys, Daniel used to pray morning, noon, and evening. His devotion to God was in place. That's what made him 10 times better. His rest and just even getting away from your desk at lunchtime and just walking around and being with Jesus. Even if it's five, ten minutes, you'll be amazed what it will do. The quality of our work is directly proportional to the, our rhythms of rest. The quality of our work is directly proportional to whether we switch off, we disconnect from work. I mean, look at this. Rest is a weapon given to us by God. The enemy hates it because he wants you stressed and occupied. He knows that when you're stressed and occupied, you cannot be the best husband, the best wife, the best boss, the best friend, because you're not fully present. This is a scripture I read for myself all the time. As one who has gone through a season of stress and struggling with sleep, so I speak the scripture over myself. It is in vain that you rise up early and you go to rest late eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. He gives his beloved sleep. God has instituted rhythms of rest for a reason. Time to work, time to rest. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything under the sun. Job satisfaction comes when we learn to work from a place of rest. 
I want to read you this extract. It is a devotional that Tony actually sent to our men's group, uh, Connect Group. And this devotional captures the state of work generally, globally, not just in Joburg. And uh, I'm reading it to you to put a mirror on yourself and say, I need to repent. The prevailing culture of this world tells us that our job should be of utmost priority. Physical care is good but must be disregarded, especially when it interferes with our workplace ascent, climbing the corporate ladder. Get it done. Do whatever it takes. Man up. To these codes, we sacrifice our physical selves and especially our sleep. We stay late at the office, work late at home, live in hotels, on airplanes. But this is not what the Father intends. I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard. I'm simply saying work from a place of rest. God blesses his children with sleep and in sleep. It is when we are resting that God goes to work on our behalf. It is a time to restore and heal and relinquish worry, stress. Quite literally, leave everything to him. We should appreciate it fully and be thankful for it. Accept it wholeheartedly. We've all felt the results. If we don't rest, racing hearts, pounding headaches... Lack of productivity, lack of creativity, lack of patience, compromised resistance to sin. When you are tired, it's easy to fall into sin. We need to watch out for what I call the electronic leash. The digital revolution has caused troubles for us. I don't know if you heard that in France, they now have a law called the right to disconnect, meaning that your employer is not allowed to contact you after hours. Bring it here, Jesus. We, we need that law here, you know. Yes, I see someone is like, yeah, that, definitely. In fact, there was a picture. I thought, let me not show it. Some people will be very convicted. While you're sleeping, your boss coming out of your cell phone. People responding to messages at 1 a.m. Something is wrong with that picture. I call it the electronic leash. We need to watch out for it. Statistics shows that 7% of kids ages 5 to 11, only 7%, they play for an hour outside that is recommended by doctors. Only 7%. Where's the rest of all the other kids? Electronic leash. They are on the screen. Where do they get it from? We can't blame anyone. Daniel did not allow himself to be captured by the oppressive system of Babylon. Instead of being a victim, he became a victor. We need to find purpose in our 9 to 5, but we also need to transform our 9 to 5 that we don't take our identity from our work. And our 9 to 5 is not the only expression of our purpose. We also need to think outside our work. You know you are captured when your life is all about work and nothing else. Let us stand to pray.
Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah chose not to defile themselves or to be defined with the king's office, not to be defined by the Babylonian system. The Lord gave them favor and they were healthier and 10 times better in wisdom and understanding. We all want to be great and competent leaders who are 10 times better, but it starts with devotion to God and living and working from a place of rest. I know when I sleep well, when I rest well, my productivity levels are much better than when I have not rested well. Father, I pray that you will help us to not fall into the trap of the worldly Babylonian system of just the red race, chasing after success in our careers and not being fully present with our families, our friends and even in our devotion to you, Lord, we, we are just snacking all the time in the Word, but we're not sitting down and taking a full meal in the Word and in prayer and communion with you, Father. Today, Lord, I pray that you set us free, Father God. Set us free, Lord God, from constantly being connected and missing out, Father God. The name of Jesus. David Webb is going to share a word with us that came from prayer before the service. And I also want to pray into that because some of you today, you need to change your habits and stop. Guys, during the prayer meeting before the service, Nklakla uh, Simelane, uh, who's a coach, talked to us a little bit about work. And he said, you know, there's a season. There's a season where the Lord says, put your nose to the grindstone, work hard, work well, succeed. And he wants you to do that. So, you know, don't go away feeling like, wow, I must always reject hard work. But here's the thing, um, and was explaining to us, it's meant to be a pattern that then you take into your relationships, that you know how to focus in and figure things out and figure out what's wrong, what do I need to do? How do I succeed here? How do I succeed? as a husband or a wife? How do I succeed uh, even as a, as a child? How do I succeed with my children? So don't, uh, just don't despise, you know, your work. Uh, it's a blessing, it's a blessing from God. We've been learning this morning, God gives us work and it's part of our, uh, not part of our identity, it's a way we express our identity. It's a great thing, but you know, but it's meant to give us encouragement so we get on to other areas of our life and succeed there too. And uh, I just thought it was such a wise thing. I just felt led to share that with you as well. Can we just pray right now? Lord, help us. Help us, Lord God. We want to have work in its right place. We don't want to worship work. We want to worship you. We don't want to have no work because we want to have beautiful things that you've called us to do since before the foundation of the world, good things that you've laid out for us. We want them, Lord God. We thank you. Uh, those of us that have jobs that we love and that we feel fulfilled, and we thank you for that, Lord. We ask that blessing for every single person here. And let us just ask also now for those that feel like, wow, I've really missed it. I enjoy my work so much, you know, I, uh, I enjoyed, I'm, I put it first in my 20s, and oh yeah, in my 30s, and my 40s, and uh, my 50s, and uh, and all along we're dragging relationships behind us saying, please, please, there's time for us, make time for us. So Lord, right now, 
For anybody that needs to repent, just repent right where you are, right where you are. Just say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, forgive me. It's never too late to start a new thing. It's never too late to succeed in your relationship. It may be harder because you didn't work on it when you were younger, but that's okay. The Lord will be with you. So Lord, right now, we give our hearts, our lives again to you, and we give you, Lord, all those relationships that don't make sense to us. And Father, help us to be balanced people. We commit ourselves to listen to you, to obey you when things come up in our relationships so that we, um, we don't just rest in our work laurels and that we uh, neglect people, people who we will be with for eternity, people. <laughs> um, so Father, we just ask right now that you'd help us do that in Jesus' name.